This is an AMI podcast. Oh, you're back again? That's awesome. Welcome back to Low Vision Moments, the podcast all about those sometimes frustrating, potentially embarrassing, but often pretty comical things that happen when you are just trying to go about your day with a visual impairment, blindness, or albinism. I'm your host, Jenny, and I have a little confession to make. I don't know about you fine people, but for me right now, the cabin fever is real. This pandemic, this staying at home, not being able to travel has really got me down. But things are getting better. At least in my neck of the woods, we're able to roam a bit more freely, and I've started making some long and short-term plans to, well, GTFO. And if you do not know what that acronym means, GTFO, Google it because it is a keeper and it really comes in handy. Whether you've got that wanderlust or not, today we're going on a fun little excursion together. Our theme this episode is the great outdoors. So lace up your hiking boots because this one's going to be a hell of an adventure. I am ridiculously excited. I might even say giddy because we have also got the absolute perfect guest for this theme. This person has trekked nearly 20,000 miles of America's most rugged hiking trails. And for us Canadians, that's about 32,000 kilometers. This is the kind of person that makes history, okay? This is the kind of person they make movies about, literally. He is the only person who is blind to ever have completed a through hike of the Appalachian Trail, which stretches from Georgia to Maine. Yes, you heard me correctly, from Georgia to Maine. He has hiked that distance. And he's also hiked the Pacific Coast Trail on the West Coast and so, so much more. Trevor Thomas, you're an absolute legend, man. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's good to be with you. What else would you like the people to know about you? Well, you pretty much you pretty much summed it up. Although my number is a little bit higher now as far as mileage, if you want to keep track, I'm closer to 40,000 miles now. And I'm just a regular guy that really loves to hike. And I happen to be blind. And right after going blind, the trail called me. And it keeps calling and keeps calling. So I keep going to push the limits. I also do some motivational speaking. And probably one of the things that I'm most proud of these days is that I have a foundation that I started called Team Farsight, and what we're doing now is working on trail accessibility for the blind and also a whole bunch of a whole bunch of guidebook issues. I would love to just pick your brain this whole episode about techniques and making trails and hiking accessible, but you're an incredibly accomplished through hiker. I don't think everyone really knows what that means. They don't really know how impressive that is, if not grueling a sport through hiking is. Could you briefly explain what through hiking entails? Through hiking, I guess you would call it would be the top end of the hiking spectrum. You have folks that are day walkers. Uh, you go out for go out for a day with a knapsack and uh, you know and a lunch and go hike your local trail. You have some people that want to go out on maybe a little bit longer. Go out for a weekend. Um, take your tent with you, a stove, 
um, maybe three or four days. And then there are people like me that start at one end of a trail and keep going until you finish. And that could last anywhere from, oh, some of the shorter ones could be a month. Um, the longer ones can be six, seven, eight months long. And it's one of the last true pilgrimages on earth. And it's probably one of the most amazing, wonderful journeys, both inwardly and outwardly that you can do. Just the dedication, and I would imagine what you can learn about yourself through doing something like that just kind of blows my mind. I'm more of an overnight, you know, weekend kind of hiker. Um, but I aspire to be a little bit more like you in the future. And again, I could pick your brain and I'm sure we could chat about that forever. But it is kind of tradition around here for me to kick things off with a little story within our theme. So let me tell you a little story. Once upon a time, I was a reporter on a TV show called AMI This Week, and it's still on. It's a great show. Go give it a watch if you can. It's, it's available online as well. One warm summer day, we were out at a public park, not exactly the back country, but you know, we're setting up to shoot some interviews and do a little story at this public park. And there's a play park nearby. There are a bunch of children playing in a playground. And so I'm kind of just waiting for the producer and the camera operator to set the shots up and, and figure things out on there. And I'm leaning up against the fence kind of off on the side and really just kind of pondering, hey, is it time for me to reapply my sunblock? Um, and then all of a sudden the producer walks up to me and says, absolutely out of nowhere, no warning. He says, uh, do you not realize that there are a bunch of wasps swarming around you? To which I immediately yelled, holy fucking crap, no, I did not realize. And immediately it clicks, oh God, I'm surrounded by a bunch of young, impressionable ears. And <laughs> I felt bad for a moment because I would imagine that there are some looks in my direction from parents or people with their kids at the park, but I couldn't see them. So it was easy enough to brush off. And then I felt very little remorse <laughs> quite quickly. I was like completely changed my mind because that's not how you tell someone who's blind or low vision that they're being swarmed by wasps or being swarmed by anything for that matter. Uh, the, the learning experience I think for them was maybe lead up with something like remain calm. I have something to tell you. <laughs> it may freak you out there are some wasps swarming around you. So maybe let's move away. Do you have any thoughts on that, Trevor? Sounds oh too familiar to things that have happened to me. It seems that every time you deal with somebody in the sighted world in a situation like that, sentence structure is very, very important. <laughs> so things like, oh, that is such and such. By the way, it's hot. First thing you should do is say, that's hot. <laughs> so I've had people do that to me as well. But I can picture it in my head what happened to you. I mean, you can't blame me for having that reaction, right? And that's just, I feel like I felt so bad in, in, in the first moment. And then I completely flipped. I was like, you know what? I don't need to feel bad about this at all. That's a totally human reaction. So with over 10 years of long distance hiking experience, you've probably encountered plenty of insects and probably plenty of fellow hikers along the way. So what has your experience been like with the trail community? 
the trail community for me, I mean, I didn't start hiking until after I went blind. It was something that my O&M instructor allowed me to do if I did all my on-street O&M work. And little did she know that she created a monster by doing it because the minute I got on trail, I felt alive. <laughs> I felt in control of my life for the first time. So I jumped right from never hiking to doing a little greenway with my O&M instructor, her warning me, this is something that you can do, but don't do it alone, to ignoring that, to saying on a whim when I was in a, when I was in a gear store getting some trekking poles, hearing a guy tell me about his great adventure he'd been on, um, running into bears and nearly starving to death, me being fascinated, asking him what it was. Sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah. I said, what was it? And he said, I threw hiked the Appalachian Trail. Something clicked in my brain. I said, I'm going to do that. That's, that's the key. I will get my life back if I'm going to do it. And so I jumped into it. The thing I didn't realize is that I would also find a community on trail. And that was one thing that was greatly lacking in, I guess, in regular life um, as a blind person, because we're usually shunned, we're left out, we're kind of feared, I always thought. People just didn't really know what to do with me. And in the beginning, I didn't know what to expect because you're usually, even though you're hiking by yourself or maybe hiking with somebody, you know, maybe for a day or two, most people hike at about the same paces. There's usually everybody camps at about the same places. So you meet the same people. It's kind of like a roving clump, like a family is, is moving up the trail. And of course, with family relations go practical jokes. And that's where I felt kind of accepted with my trail community, but not totally accepted. The pranks were, they could be brutal at times. Um, they were un unrelenting. And anybody, anybody could be a target except me. That always made me feel like, okay, I'm kind of in the, I'm kind of in the, in the community, but not totally accepted until basically, I think I'd been on trail for about 400 miles. We rolled into, rolled into a place called Hot Springs, North Carolina. It was a trail stop for us. And if you're a long distance hiker and you roll into town, you need to do everything. You need to purchase more food. You need to find some place where you can get a shower because you've been dirty and filthy for a couple of weeks. Um, and, but most importantly, you really want to do laundry because, you know, most people don't realize it, but they think we go out and we have extra changes of clothes. Some people think we stay in hotels, but we don't. Everything you own is worn on your back. So when you get to town, you need to find a laundromat and you need to wash everything you have before you go out. So you can at least start with a modicum of cleanliness or close to it. So I guess in Hot Springs, my number came up finally after all that time. <laughs> we, oh, there were probably about 11 of us and we were all sitting around in front of this laundromat that was in the center of town. And this is very important to the story because it was also two doors down from the police station. When there were all sorts of families doing their laundry there, there were children running around. They had a little video game section to give your listeners the idea of what it was like in this little town. And somebody says, I got an idea. I'll run to the general store. I'll get us all ponchos. And then we can just put on our ponchos, strip down and wash everything all in one fell swoop. And boom, we'll be ready to go. Smart. Sounded like a great one. So comes back, divvies out all the ponchos and, you know, everybody's putting their ponchos on and basically stripping all their clothes off from underneath. 
and I hear a few snickers, you know, a couple of people trying to trying to control some laughter and all that. And I didn't think anything of it. And I guess we finally hit a point of no return because, you know, I had almost all my clothes off. And then finally, finally, some girl just spoke up and she said, you cannot do that to him. <laughs> like there are kids around here. The police are out here. He's going to get arrested and we can't do that to him. Well, everybody burst out laughing. They're having a good, good old time at my expense. And I still don't know what the, what the hell they're talking about. And lo and behold, found out that they thought it would be a wonderful joke to play on me to give the blind guy a clear poncho. <laughs> so I would be smashing the world while doing my laundry. Totally unbeknownst. <laughs> and that's when you knew that you had been accepted into the trail community. <laughs> I actually welcomed it. I, at that point, I knew I was part of the community. I knew I was accepted. And I, you know, I finally felt whole. So I took it in good stride and uh, divvied my own, my own paybacks, you know, to people up and down the trail from there on. So it was good. Good on you. Oh, what a gem of a story. And I think it's so damn relatable. At the start of your story, you said something like, we as blind or low vision people, I think across the disability community, there's still a sense that, I don't know, we kind of, we make people uncomfortable. And to be included in the jokes, to be included in the practical jokes, that's a hell of a joke. That's a good one. They finally viewed me as me and blind second as opposed to blind and then That's it. That crossed, you know, that crossed over the barrier to me being a person to them. I, I love that. Oh my god, it's such a good story. And I love the person that had that idea and followed through on it because yeah, it just means so much, I think, to be to be accepted into a community and a community of, of people who don't necessarily have any other personal connection to, to blindness or vision loss. It's like, you guys finally get it. You finally get me. Credit to my friends. Had the cops not been around, right. they probably would have let me go on through with it and just mess off, you know, the whole time. So how far did you, how far did it go? I mean, had you completely stripped down? I was taking my boxers off and that was the last thing I had. <laughs> oh, so close. Well, I have I have a decent group of friends here. So I I can kind of relate to um I don't know, just feeling like part of the gang. It is I've been blind since since I was born. I've been legally blind. So I've been trying to fit in my whole damn life. And with albinism, it's a whole other ball game because there are some days where it's just not comfortable for me to be outside for long periods of time. And I mean, I can adapt, but I have to be real sometimes and just be like, look, I need to leave. I need to leave and go reapply my sunblock again. Yes, again. Um, so I just, you know, I need a few minutes to go do this, that, the other thing. And it wasn't so easy as a kid and a teenager to, to do those things and to, to say, I need these accommodations. I need to do this thing differently. But now it's, it's a lot easier. And one really good example, I think, was last summer, a friend of a friend clued us in, a small group of us, they clued us in on a really great camping spot just outside the city on a really gorgeous lake perfect secluded spot to just do some tenting and swimming in the lake and hanging around a little bit of hiking around but nothing too serious and so as we do sometimes the four of us we uh, had had a couple of wobbly pops which I think I'm realizing is maybe a Canadian expression definitely a Canadian thing 
right? Just the word pop is is a Canadian thing. So wobbly pop, yeah, definitely regional. But now you know, you can put that in your back pocket for next time. So night had fallen like long ago and it was totally pitch black. And then suddenly one of the guys says, hey, I've I've run out of cigarettes. And let me just pause and say, I don't condone smoking cigarettes. Uh, but anyway, this guy insists that we must do the 20-minute hike back to his truck to get smokes. And one of the other campers agrees to go with him, and they manage to convince me to come along. Oh, come on, Jen, they say. What else are you going to do? You're going to sit here by the fire alone? I probably would have been quite content to do that, but they convinced me. The fourth camper had already fallen asleep, so anywho, I said, okay, let's go, and I strapped on the headlamp, and off we went. Now, the headlamp was attracting bugs like crazy, and when you can only see a few feet in front of you, it just it wasn't really worth it, especially in the kind of brush that we were dealing with. So I decided to just follow them. These are people that I trust, and I was going to just follow them. So we made it to the truck, no problem at all. The guy got his cigarettes, but on the way back is when we stumbled off track. So these two completely sighted folks that I was following and trusting, they completely missed the marker indicating where we had to turn off the main trail to go back to where we were camping. And they turned into the woods in entirely the wrong spot, essentially getting us lost in the middle of some pretty thick brush at night. And yes, a little tipsy. (laughs) So cue the nervous chatter. And then pretty quickly I realized, wait a minute, I have a bit of an upper hand here. I've got 30 years of orientation and mobility training. I've been getting around using clues to orient myself and to find my way for decades. So this was my thought process in my head. Very logical, very calm, but that's not what came out of my mouth at all. What came out of my mouth was, shut up, you idiots. (laughs) Let me just listen for the water. All we need to do is listen for the water and follow the edge of the lake and we will find our campsite. And you can bet that's exactly what we did. And come to think of it, Trevor, those guys were not nearly as appreciative or impressed as I think they should have been. So I need to go and have a conversation with them about that. But I'm quite proud of myself (laughs) for using those skills in really a scenario that I had never used them before. You should be proud. I'm designated night, uh, night point hiker whenever I go out with friends, because even with headlamps, I'm better at it than they are. Right. It, I don't know. I feel so proud. And that kind of amps me up to do not necessarily night hiking, but it amps me up to think, you know, maybe I could do some longer distance stuff. Um, you know, maybe I could do some stuff alone someday. I think you could. If you have the mindset, you can do it. Everything else falls into place. Well, if you say I can do it, then I'm going to take that and run with it. Most of what I do now is um, I hike alone with my dog and I'm hiking the lesser traveled trails. So I don't have a lot of like fellow through hikers on trail at the same time. It's more of a solo event, but I always enjoy and relish the interactions I have with other hikers that I run into along the way. And usually it comes down to when I desperately need directions because one thing that's kept me safe throughout my career is I have a rule. If I don't know 100% certainty which way to go, I don't go forward. I will do whatever I need to do. I will wait 
until someone comes by. Ask them a very uncomfortable question, like, where do I need to go? And then have to go through explanations. Um, or I will backtrack before I, before I walk off into the unknown. But one comes to mind. I was through hiking the PCT and I was outside of Mount Hood, Oregon. I was by myself and I had the section of trail memorized and a landslide had come through and taken out a gigantic chunk of trail. I didn't know that the landslide had happened since I, since I'd learned the directions and I get to this section and there's just boulders and there's trees strewn all over the place. And there are spider webs of side trails that don't fit anything that's in my head. And I'm just saying, oh shit, I'm in, I'm basically 75 miles from one end of a trail where I could get out. And I'm about 70 miles from another end of trail where I could get out in any of these trails that I might want to go down that could be right, could be wrong, could lead me in the middle of nowhere. So I'm trying to control the panic, trying to figure out what to do because I hadn't run into anybody either direction in hours. And so I'm thinking, thinking what to do, what to do, trying to remember, remember every Survivor Man episode I ever listened to to see <laughs> if I could get myself out of this situation. And I hear some people coming, um, coming my direction. So the direction I needed to go. So I waited for him and I stopped him, you know, said the said the hellos and all that kind of stuff, complimented on the, you know, the trail reroutes and all that kind of stuff and said, Hey, I need your help. And I said, I need to get back to the main PCT. I don't have any, you know, I don't have any directions through, through the landslide because it, you know, I didn't know it was here. So guys like, Oh yeah, no problem. He pulls out his map and I'm like, Oh, whoa, whoa. As I hear him unfolding the map, I'm like, wait, 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 I got to explain something to you. I'm blind. And I need you to be very, very specific with these directions. So he goes on and he's, he starts tapping his map. He's like, we're right here. And I'm like, no, no, I can't, I can't really read a map. And you, you saying that I'm here on this piece of paper doesn't really do anything for me. So can we try this again? And he said, wait a minute, you're hiking. And I said, yes. And he said, you can't be blind. And I said, well. I assure you, I am fine. <laughs> and I assure you that I am through hiking the PCT. And I said, I just need to get to the, to the, to the mother PCT trail. And so I said, how about this? I mean, I'm really good at following instructions. You know, can you tell me like number of side trails that, that I'll come to, um, number of, you know, number of lefts, number of rights, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, were there any, you know, were there any like, um, maybe a big boulder that I might be able to recognize. And he's like, oh, well, let's see. Um, he's like, okay, well, now you get, now you need to go that way. And he's, I know he's doing the pointing thing. Oh, the pointing. Oh, yeah. I'm like, okay, um, no, point, pointing doesn't help. I'm like, remember, I'm blind. And he said, are you sure you're hiking? And I said, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm hiking. Trust me. Oh, my God. And so... We go back and forth, back and forth. And then I have to explain to him why I'm hiking the PCT, because I'm blind. He said, because blind people don't do that. He said, why would you want to do that? You can't see anything. Oh, my sweet God. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, I, I do it for the same reason everybody else does it. I do it for the challenge. But that's beside the point. I need directions and I need you to help me. So we went back and forth and back and forth a few times. And finally, it got to the point where... He was 
he became so worried that I wouldn't be able to follow his instructions that he offered to hike. It was about a mile and a quarter, you know, to guide me to the, to the trail that I needed. So I said, fine. So we hike there, we get to the, we get to the sign, a very, you know, a sign that I could read with my fingers. And I, it was the PCT sign and it had the arrow that I needed to go the right way. So I was good. And then it dawns on him that once again, I am blind and I am in the middle of nowhere. And he gets worried for my safety. And he said, are you sure you're going to be able to get, you know, going to be able to get to where you're going? I'm like, yes, I'll be able to get where I'm going. Thank you. You know, I've gotten through the tough section. And he's like, you know, it's pretty tough going this way. And I said, I'm, I'm sure it is. And he said, come to think of it. He said, there's, there's a couple more river crossings you got to go over. And I said, yes, I'm, 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 I'm aware of those river crossings. I have them memorized. Yes. I said, I'm back on the section that I know. And he said, well, you know, if, if you think you're going to be okay, I said, trust me, I've hiked 2000 miles to get to this point, And I did just fine. I said, and thanks to you, I'll be able to hike another 800 to get to the other end of this trail. And he's like, well, okay. Like he was leaving me to my death. Oh, like he gosh. just led me to the gallows and he had to wash his hands of, of this, this tragedy. He's like, well, good luck to you. And heard him start to hike away. And I'm like, it's happened like that over and over and over again, all over the country, you name it, whether it be in Maine, whether it be in California, whether it be in, whether it be in Georgia, it's the same thing. The only thing I wish I could have gotten, and every time I have an encounter like that, the one thing that I wish, that's the time I wish I could see. I would love to see just the look of utter shock and dismay on their face when I tell them that I'm blind and that I'm through hiking a trail that they couldn't conceive of doing themselves, as that would be priceless in my book. I would easily imagine that it's wide eyes, jaw open, you know, just just a shocked expression. I think the most baffling thing about that story is that you had said that you had hiked, what, 2,000 miles to get to the spot where you were? So this this fellow hiker should have realized the distance that you have already come. They just didn't. They didn't get it. They weren't going to get it. And the only thing that would have been more fun than having him say, okay, you know, I'll take you there. Normally, if I have to sit there and explain to people, okay, this is how I do it. I feel the trail with my feet. I have some trekking poles and I basically use those as two extra points of contact, blah, 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 blah. And they are like my eyes. It is a 100% certainty. The minute I explain that to anybody I've ever hiked with, they close their eyes and they try it. <laughs> and then I, get a, then I get a great laugh because it takes no more than about maybe 10 or 12 feet and boom, they go down. Well, of course, you can't just do that right out of the gate. It takes, it, as you know, it takes training and experience and, you know, sometimes but, falling on our faces and learning what not to do. They have to try it for some reason. Even when I recommend don't do it, you'll get hurt. Right. They still want to do it. Well, hey, that's on them and amusing for us. Great fun. Great <laughs> fun for me. 
So much fun chatting with you. I, I hope I can pick your brain again sometime. Maybe hear some more of your stories from the trail. If you want people to contact you, how can they get in touch with you? Well, they can always check out my website. It's theblindhiker.com. There's the appropriate Facebook and all that junk that goes along with it. Thank you so much again, Trevor. Thanks for having me. Well, I hope you've enjoyed getting to know Trevor as much as I have. I also hope if you ever find yourself lost, whether in the literal or metaphorical sense, you might think of this episode and always find your way safely. There will not be an episode of Low Vision Moments in August, but don't fret. I will be back the final Thursday in September with way more laughs and, of course, stellar guests. If you'd like to join me as a guest or have any episode theme suggestions, I would love to hear from you. Send an email to podcasts at ami.ca or leave a voicemail at one 509 4545. Once more, that phone number is 1-866-509-4545. Make sure to mention Low Vision Moments in the message. I am also on Instagram and Twitter. Connect with me there under uberblonde4. That's U-B-E-R-B-L-O-N-D-E and the number four. This podcast would not be possible without Sam Robinson technical producer who is just kick-ass at what he does. And a million and one thank yous to manager at AMI-audio, Andy Frank. Until next time, my friends, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening, and happy trails. I'm Marjorie Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping on Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.